Have you got a website that looks like a brochure, but it doesn't really do anything? It doesn't really convert into appointments or sales? We're going to listen to today's episode with my guest today. Welcome to Storytelling Secrets. This is the podcast for coaches, consultants, and course creators who want to unlock their core stories and use the stories to sell more online. It's a place to master persuasion and influence so you can build a deep relationship with your audience. And it's a place where real-world marketing strategies, tips, and lessons are shared freely. If that interests you, then you're in the right place. Hi, I'm Jules Dan, and I've battled my way from being a broke group fitness instructor to a full-time, in-demand, freelance email copywriter. Now, I'm ready to get to work. Follow along on my journey as I share my everyday hard-won lessons. I'm Jules Dan, and this is Storytelling Secrets. Into today's episode today, <laughs> today's episode today. My guest today is Wes McDowell. Now he was on episode sixty. Turn your website into a client generating machine. We spoke a lot about uh, using photos to uh, tell the story on your website a little bit more, and uh, we're going to go a little bit deeper in a few more different topics, especially about around the copy. We'll do we'll do more about the photos that we didn't quite touch on last time, but um, yeah, definitely all about using storytelling on your website to get more appointments, get more sales, more bookings, instead of making it some brochure thing. Now to introduce my guest again, Wes. So he helps small business owners all over the world tighten up their websites and their digital marketing to be as effective as possible. He hosts a popular YouTube channel. It's got about 140k subscribers as I'm reading this out right now and he hosts the website the ho- and he hosts the profitable website podcast now Wes also has something he's got a um the profitable website launchpad which is what i use to create my website and um i think i've said this before on the show it's not very common that i would feel use an affiliate link or or promote someone's product unless I've actually used it so i've actually bought his product program and went through it it's so helpful it, it is it's got templates, step-by-step instructions. And so if you're interested in what we're talking about, his masterclass has a lot of training on there. But if you want to go like full in-depth, just have it all there splayed out for you step-by-step. Highly go recommend you go check out his program. I think it's only, it's in the $500 mark. It's not too much for what you actually get. Um, so you can grab that at www.wesmcdowell.com forward slash training. Like I said, I fully endorse this. Um, I wouldn't be saying this in the podcast if it wasn't, but enough promotion, enough shameless self-promotion. Let's get straight into the podcast today with my guest today, Wes McDowell. Hey, welcome back to Storytelling Secrets. This is Jules Dan. I'm joined by Wes McDowell. Now, Wes has been on the podcast before. Uh, we've de- we've done some client projects before. Wes is your website expert um, when it comes to creating a profitable website that isn't just a standalone brochure. It's your most valuable asset. Makes it such so, like so compelling for visitors to come on um we're going to talk about all things storytelling on the podcast today so wes thanks for joining me again number two number two so good to be back jules thanks for having me again that that's oh my pleasure uh, i'm really keen to get stuck in today's episode um do you want to maybe i want to start off like just like a wildcard question to start off. What have, what's, what have been some like trends or changes you've seen during COVID in 2020 um, with, with everything has changed? Like what's been going on um, in terms of websites? Have they been more valuable than ever? I'm going to guess that's a yes, but yeah. Can you hear your answer? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, they're they're definitely if if this year and last year has taught us anything, it's the importance of having a really solid online strategy because we can't necessarily count on all that foot traffic. Not every business was relied on foot traffic anyway, but even the ones that did, now we know that we need this infrastructure online for people to find us. Like restaurants are now doing the delivery and pickup more than ever before. So, and that's all done mostly online or through apps, right? So definitely this has taught us all the value of having a better online presence than we had before. Yeah. This may something like this may happen again. We hope it doesn't. But and even if like there's another not another pandemic or anything, the world has changed a bit in we're much more comfortable doing things online, working remotely. So I think this is not the pandemic's here to stay, but I think this new kind of way of doing business is here to stay for at least a while. Yeah, hundred percent. I was talking to a podcast guest last week. I'm not sure if this is a fact, but they said uh, what should have been what should have been taken place during COVID in terms of digitizing people's businesses was predicted to be 10 years from 2019, and, and it was accelerated into or condensed into one year. I don't know how how, how much truth there is to that, but yeah, 100%. You're just seeing people who would just have never tried any sort of digital marketing and put it and now having to force like, okay, what do I need for presence? I need social media. What I also need like a website that works. Um, sometimes, you know, you can fall into template traps on Squarespace or, or Wix. Um, oh, yeah. I, I would love to sort of hear, you know, like what, if a people, if someone's, you know, got their own website on one of those platforms, why might be beneficial for someone to move across to, something like WordPress and, and do you do it yourself? Yeah. Well, I think the re- the big reason I can think of to move away from Wix and Squarespace is basically they're, they've got you templated in to what their designers have created for you. Right. Mm-hmm. We've all seen the, when you go on their website, they have these beautiful looking websites that by the way, don't generally look that beautiful once you're done kind of populating with your own stuff. Yeah. Um, that's just the, the barrier to entry for non-designers, I guess. But so what happens is these websites are designed based on just kind of no content, right? It's like the designer said, this would look great here. This would be a great section for some text. Never mind what kind of text it is, but here's here's some text and here's an image next to it and here's a bulleted list. So what happens then is you need to like retrofit, you need to write copy based on this designer's whim that has nothing to do with your business. So much better to start with something from scratch. Cause the way I always think of it is you need to start with your content. The, the web design is the window dressing. It's like the sugar that makes the medicine go down, right? Like it's what yeah. makes it palatable, but you need to start with the content and the words and the persuasion and all that good stuff. And then create a design that serves that not the other way around. And the cool thing with WordPress is it used to feel like a tall order, right? Cause you'd have to either get something custom or you'd have to work with a theme and themes are not as easy as I would have thought they are. I'm the web guy. I'm not the tech guy. Yeah. I know marketing. I know what needs to happen on a website. I'm not the coder type. I've never have been. So there's been times that I like bought a theme thinking, okay, this looks easy. And it's like, oh my God, this it's literally the same thing as like Wix or Squarespace where yeah. you've got these pages that are pre-done 
And I would always have to go back to my developer to like, no, take this out and put something else in. So I might mm. as well have had a custom made website. But all that to say now, and you've gone through my, my program, so you know what I'm about to say. Elementor yeah. is like- It's so the, good. The, right? Like it's, it's a page builder that's this, this guy I'm pointing to myself right now who doesn't know how to code at all. I can go in and create a website in minutes. I mean, that's an exaggeration. Like, but I can create a really nice web page yeah. in like an hour or two. Well, you have with, videos where you create it in under 30 minutes. So. Oh, it can be done. Don't, yeah. Don't, don't discount. You're, you're, you're pretty efficient with what yeah. you do. Yeah. But then I, you know, the designer in me wants to go around and uh, kind of futz with everything for a while. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's a really good point. And you said design. Uh, you know, like whatever the design is, the copy has to match it. And you said it all starts with the content first. And I think that's really important for the listeners to to latch onto. So the copy that goes in it, it it's going to be not necessarily talking about why you're so great. It's about what you mentioned in the Profitable website, Launchpad, um, was the customer saga story. Um, and, and that's the first thing that you start off with. I think that's, that was the f- foundational thing. It was like a two or three page, like get to know the problems and the audience very, very well articulated all. Could you talk my audience a little bit um, about that? Yeah. So the customer saga is really just basically the oldest story frame in the world, the, the, the hero's journey. Right. And the thing you have to know is most and, and by the way, we're not saying that your website needs to tell a narrative story. That's kind of a misnomer. People, when I say your website needs to tell a story, people always think, well, that sounds kind of dumb. That sounds like, you know, I've never seen that happen. Like, it's not like a once upon a, once upon a time exactly, kind of thing. Yeah. But what it is, is it's mimicking the beats that happen in a story. Whenever every movie you've ever seen, every book you've ever read has a hero who wants something who can't, doesn't have that something because they have to overcome obstacles to get it. Mm-hmm. They usually meet a guide or a mentor figure who helps them get it. And then in the end, they win by overcoming all those obstacles um, that the guide helped them overcome. So the more you can kind of mimic those story beats on your website, specifically on your homepage we're talking about, um, that's going to hook into those kind of pleasure centers of someone's brain because people's brain lights up people's brains light up in a different way when they're presented with a story. It doesn't like, it doesn't have to be a narrative story. It just have to, has to mimic those familiar beats and they'll see themselves in the story. And that's going to connect much better than if you're just talking about you were founded in 1968 and you know, all the logistical uh, particulars of your business that people Mm -hmm. don't really care about. So And the other thing that's important here too is you are not the hero in this story. Your client is, you're the guide, you're the Obi-Wan, they're the Luke Skywalker, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, So, so true how you said you're not the hero of the story. They are, and that way they can see themselves through it. And just in case my audience is wondering, you know, can we see more examples of this? Wes does breakdowns of people's websites, their landing pages on his YouTube channel, which I'll leave in the, in the show notes, putting you, um, you put me on the spot on your podcast, yeah. Wes, I'm going to put you on the spot on my podcast. Can you remember a good example? Oh, no. Can you remember a good example of when you took someone's, you know, like me too sort of um, home landing page, and then you turned it into 
something more of a customer saga story. Not too much, like we said. It's not necessarily a narrative, but mimics yeah. that story. God, I mean, like in a specific example, not really, because what you're talking about, I haven't done that in a while, like the, the breakdowns on my YouTube channel, but I do yeah. have them there. Um, but it happens all the time. Like almost everyone, because I choose them specifically, and you'd be amazed how few websites actually follow this kind of structure. So it's easy to, you know, I can't think of one example. I can think of a thousand kind of well, thing. It's what's like, a bad example to avoid? Yeah, well, the, the worst example is just to put you as a business first and foremost. But that's what everyone does because it feels like, duh, it's our website. We're trying to sell ourselves. Of course, that's what we would do. So that's what everyone kind of defaults to. But it's really not the way to be memorable. And it's not the way to make people feel like you understand their problem. So, for instance, yeah. You know, we're probably going to talk some something about images on this episode. Yep, so, definitely. for instance, like for the the top section of a homepage, we call that the hero section. Most companies put like images of their team, or like you know, think of like a law firm website. It's usually a picture of like some really stoic-looking lawyers standing all in a line, yep. arms crossed, looking very lawyerly, right? But that's not impressive to people. That's what everyone else does. You'd be much better off having a headline that tells about the, the end story, the end goal of the person who's coming to your website. What do they want? If it's a family attorney who specializes in divorce, let's say, it should be something about how you can piece together your life in an amicable way, pick up the pieces, get on with it, mm. and everyone is, you know, and it, it would be a picture of maybe like a mom and daughter kind of sitting together, smiling, just like a nice moment, a nice fa family yeah. moment, yeah. rather than the picture of the lawyers all in so a line. Almost like a, an end result slash benefit with a feeling attached to it. Yes. Yeah, cool. And you've got that photo to complement it. So let's yes. just say, well, there's, I've got a lot of coaches and consultants who listen to this podcast. Would they be looking to include themselves with their client or is it because I know sometimes you do recommend stock images, but at a only in specific sort of scenarios. So what would yeah. be in that dream hero section if someone was in that coach consultant sort of space? Okay. So coaches and consultants is the one time when it can be a little, can be a gray area. For instance, I have a picture of me in my hero section. I don't always recommend doing that, but anyone coming to my website knows me from like YouTube or something like that. So yeah. they would expect to see me represented there. I used to do the other way because I used to kind of, I want to practice what I preach, but then it's like, but this is a different kind of website than I tell people yeah. how to do. But for a coach or consultant, I think the litmus test is this. Do people know who you are when they're coming to your site or are they just kind of, you know, Googling business coach, and then they come to your site. If that's the case, then you would want to, you don't even have to have a picture of you working with the client because here's the thing, that's not the end story goal. That's the process. Yeah. And that's not what people want to see. No one wants to see the picture of the, let's go back to the divorce attorney. No one wants to see a picture of them sitting yeah. in a courtroom, <laughs> right? Like that would be ripping the same. The, ripping the hair like, out. Yeah, exactly. You want to see, no, the happy picture of the family, like after it's behind them, living their, their best life. So yeah. if you're, if you're going to use a picture of you, cause people know you fine, if you're not, 
that have that picture of, you know, let's say you help uh, CEOs become their master, their every aspect of their life. Yep. You just have a picture of like a CEO looking guy who looks kind of rich, just <laughs> kicking back, just enjoying himself in a non-cheesy kind yep. of way. And they're, they're, non-cheesy stock photos do exist, so you can find them. Okay. <laughs> well, I just wanted to clarify on say like, cause when I was going through your course um, and then I saw that you were breaking the exceptions through all my, why is he doing that? It makes a lot of sense now because you've got a platform which where it makes like what you just said was really true. Like where the traffic comes from and that familiarity really matters as opposed to just typing in business coach. So is that, does that mean that for my listeners, they need to first one, understand where their traffic is from. And if, if it is coming from their social media posts, for instance, then it is a good idea to include themselves because they're the personal brand in that hero section photo. Yeah. It's, you always need to know the story, like what's happening. Are people finding you for the first time on your site or are they coming there from other sources where they already know you? And sometimes you may even want to, even if they do know you, you may still want to use one of those other kinds of photos. It's, it's a bit of a judgment call at a certain point, but, and even if you use, so if you use one of those kind of stock photos of a, what we call a happy client, um, you would still want to have a picture of you maybe in the next section down because you're a personal brand. Now, if you're like a plumber or a service professional or something, that's not really a personal brand. So it's not necessary to have those there. Does yep. that make sense? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Makes, makes a lot of sense. And, and you just, I've just, you know, like I know you're into direct response marketing as well. So have you tested um, with a client or with yourself that, that, you know, that end result benefit feeling photo versus maybe something different, just like the person themselves, or is that just, has not, not just happened yet? In terms of like actually like split testing it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've, uh, no, I mean, I don't think we've ever really done that because I, in most cases, like, because the people that I generally help are more service businesses, yeah. sometimes coaches, sometimes consultants um, through my course, but it's generally a good idea. It's a good blanket statement because sometimes when people haven't done this before, it's good to give just a general rule and tell them if you want to break this rule, you can try to break it. But generally speaking, it's less risky in all cases to use that happy customer photo rather than your own. I chose to take a risk with mine because I'm comfortable doing that. I've been working on websites forever. um, And I feel like it was it was appropriate for my site. So it's more or less like just going with your gut. And yeah, A-B testing it is a good idea. Like run one picture for a week, run another one for the next week and just see what your I would say like. I would just see what your bounce rate looks like Interesting. Based on well, those two photos. That's just a, a litmus test to see if like I had a gut reaction, if someone's like, this isn't for me. Yeah. Cause okay. I, I don't think at the end of the day, like th- the importance of that photo at the top in the whole hero section is just to get people hooked and to keep scrolling, learning more. It's not necessarily going to be enough to get them to hit that, you know, let's get started button. Right. So I wouldn't count. 
I wouldn't look at the conversions necessarily. I mean, that is definitely something you could look at, but I would just say like, are people spending less time on my website due to this photo or to that photo? Yeah. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Definitely going to write that note down. Um, And in terms of say like um, we're on the topic of storytelling, slightly changing gears a bit. Um, one thing I noticed when I went through analytics the other day was my about me is the second, it, it matched the, 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 the industry standards. Your about me was, or is in my case, the second most visited page on my website. Yeah. So if that, if, if someone doesn't have necessarily, they're listening to like crap, like I, I don't have a really good about me section, or I'm not sure if it's that good. And sometimes you can read Amy Porterfield. I know you recommend to read some people for, and Amy Porterfield is in hers is really long and, you know, yeah. can, people can get mixed she ideas. She copy. <laughs> yeah. People can get mixed ideas of what's the right thing to include. So I would love if you could just walk through my audience of what you would include if they're a coach consult in that about me section. Yeah. So that's a really important page. Cause like you say, it is the most second most visited page generally. So it's a bit of a, again, this is a little, uh, counterintuitive to what you'd think because you think, mm-hmm. oh, it's an about me page. And this is the time to talk about me and my qualifications and my background. And it is to a degree. Here's what it really needs to accomplish though. It needs to not talk about you. It needs to talk about how you can help your clients. That's yeah. so important. So don't go, don't be super self-indulgent going all into your backstory unless that backstory reflects the, the, the story that your clients are in right now. That's what Amy Porterfield does. And that's why hers is a little longer. And it does go more into her story because there's a one-to-one comparison. She says, like, I'm an ex-corporate girl yeah. who hated my job. And I, you know, slowly discovered the benefit of selling digital courses online. And her her customer is someone who hates their job probably and wants to create their own online course. So that bonds her to them. And that lets them know that I've walked in your shoes and I can, therefore I'm the guide that you need to get you where you want to go. But in most cases, like if you're a plumber or a lawyer, you're not saying I'm the lawyer who went through a really messy divorce myself. So I know what it's, no, it's like, you're just the authority authority figure there. So, By all means, talk about your qualifications, let them know you're legit, right? Yeah. But don't dwell on it. No one wants to read it. So many like, you go to pages like this and it reads like their resume, like it's super dry. Yeah. I graduated, uh, you know, from University of Oxnard in 1994. No one cares. Yeah. Like no one cares about yeah. that. Yeah. They just want to see like your qualifications as it relates to how you can help me. Yeah. Well, well, to build on what you said about Amy's, what she did was very strategic. So she, so she would say, I went through all these struggles. I paid for all these different courses and coaches to figure it out, like inching my way to get the result that I wanted. So she's demonstrating how she struggled like they were. Um, but then, then she would slip in a result an achievement because of that. And that's why I'm qualified to help you. She doesn't, uh, overtly say that, but it's implied through the story and it doesn't come off like a resume, what you just said. And, you know, if you can tell that story of struggle to discovery, then I think it's a, a lot more, I don't know, compelling to read. What do you reckon? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that her copy is always a little long for me. Um, I think there's definitely shorter ways of doing it, but I guess the, 
the counter argument to that would be, but if you're really interested in what she's got to offer, you'd be riveted. But I love Amy Porterfield and I still don't want to read all that. So like, I feel like there's a way of kind of shortening it a bit. Um, yeah. Because most that- of her pages are, you know, like novels, but... <laughs> Most of the pages are like novels. Uh, what, just, just on a tangent a little bit, are you the kind of person who, who sees a sales letter and you just scroll to the bottom and you like make a decision based off that? Or does it, are you just not a big reader on, I don't know, a screen and you just don't prefer that? Well, here's the thing. With sales pages, that's a different story because yes, sales pages can be very long and hers are really long. Mine, I think, is about like half of that because I just feel like I want to get to it a little faster. But Here's the thing, anyone who's really interested in paying for an expensive program and hers is like around two grand, I think. So I think when you're spending about two grand, you're really going to do your research. And that's when you will read all of that because you're, you're looking for little nuggets of like, you want to be talked into it almost. You want to feel very good about that decision that you've already kind of made emotionally, but now you want to find the little things that are going to help you really justify that purchase. So, you know, my program's less than that. So I feel like it doesn't need that crazy long um, lead up in the same way. Well, that's actually a good point. Uh, Dan Kennedy does teach that like the more expensive it is, the more you have to tell and explain, tell more stories and break objections. And I think that's a different podcast about sales letter stories, but (laughs) (laughs) Um, one more thing I do want to touch as in like one more theme for the podcast was we did slightly touch on images and using them in the store at like stories for your websites. What other pages would be a good idea to include um, different images that reflect say the customer saga story? Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know about pages, but I, I would say you want to definitely focus when you're choosing your images you want to focus on those happy customer photos. And by the way, when I say that, I'm generally talking about stock. I'm not talking about your actual customers. Yeah. But that does come into play when we're talking about the testimonials. We'll get to that in a second. But you want those happy customer photos. And you also might want some unhappy customer photos for certain areas on your site. Like you've been through my program, you know, there's that, what would I call the avoiding disaster section where you basically paint the picture of what could go wrong, but what didn't go, what won't go wrong for you because, you know, you're in good hands with me. (laughs) Um, So sometimes it it depends on if you want to go there, right? But sometimes it can be helpful to visually show someone who's kind of, at their wit's end, or they're just kind of in despair. They're not, they're not in a good moment in their life to illustrate that. And then maybe have another picture next to it of like someone happier. And there's, yeah, there's a good way of doing this. This can very quickly spiral into cheese. If you choose the wrong images yeah. though. Yeah. yeah. I like it. It's, it's going from pain to pleasure, which I, I love to use. And um, yeah, I actually, it's really good if someone's tried everything before that it's a market where they've been burnt before. Uh, I really like that idea of using visual imagery. You know, a couple podcasts ago, I yeah. analyzed the number one selling health product on ClickBank and they kept doing this one thing, which was they had this overweight woman pulling up the jeans and then they had this slim, slender woman just elegantly putting on jeans and they just kept pounding that yeah. over and over. So Matt, if you can find that imagery that perfectly reflects in, that. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> yeah. 
it's brutal but so yeah but like the the instance i can think of is like um i did i designed a website but back when i used to do client work i did one for a locksmith and there was like that section where i had just had the image of the guy just like sitting on his front steps just like waiting endlessly for a locksmith like you can find this just he's just like bored and wasting time yeah that's all you need it's not like we're not showing a guy like why like you know you don't want to go crazy (laughs) oh that reminds me of something else okay so as long as we're talking about picture storytelling and if you're choosing stock images you got to be careful careful because what you don't want to do because i say happy customer photo or the opposite you want to choose carefully you want to choose photos that do not go into crazy caricatures of emotions I see that all the time where you've got the person who's like pumping their fist. Yes. Or like, you know, high-fiving someone. Yeah. These are, you, you don't want to do that. You, These are the when you're choosing stock images. Yeah. You want to find ones that feel like you're catching someone in like a real moment. And there's a, okay. I'll give you a little bit of a resource here. It's paid, but it's Adobe stock. And also if you have like a Shutterstock account, God, oh, I'm going to blank on his name though. There's a photographer in there who I love to use because his stuff is really good and really solid and really authentic looking. Um, Jacob Lund is his name. Cool. So if you can go into like Shutterstock or Adobe Stock, Jacob Lund is his name. I have no association with him. I'm not selling it. I just, I always go to his stuff first. And he's got hundreds of photos in all categories, but they, they look super high end. And the people look like they have natural expressions on their face and yeah. natural body language. Yeah. So care, always choose that. Don't go for the, the crazy stuff. Yeah. 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 I, I like that. Catching them in the moment yeah. and not cheesy high five fist yeah. pumping moments. When, they're, when they look posed, don't, don't use anything that looks posed by a photographer. Yeah. Good tip. Now you, that, you did mention, no, that answer the question. You mentioned something about, using the testimonials, we covered pain to pleasure. Was that part of that sort of whole framework or is there still more to it? So in terms of testimonials, this is simple. It's just, just get photos of the people that you have testimonials that you want to feature in testimonials because Piss pumping? studies have shown that test. No, don't just get I'm, pictures I'm of the, the actual testimonial subject. Yeah. <laughs> Try not. Yeah. Tell them just keep their, keep their hands to themselves. Yeah. But um yeah, it's always good to have pictures of people with testimonials, and there's a reason. It's psychological. People always will trust a testimonial more when they feel like there's a person who's standing behind it, right? If it feels like an anonymous testimonial, that doesn't connect as well. It feels a little guarded. It feels like there's like there's no real person there. But if there's a person they can see that's publicly saying this, that carries a lot more weight. Yeah, 100%. Like photos, I don't know why, they just seem to make it 100% more, much more trustworthy than, and videos are also much, much better. But um, also one thing I've, oh, yeah. I've, I've, I've noticed works well is that instead of just having a wall of testimonials, is that you'll pull out a specific benefit from that as like a mini headline on top of that. Have you, have you ever tried that or um, written in some of your testimonials before? Yeah. No, that's super key. Like, first of all, most testimonials I see when people read, when people put them, they will generally just post the entire thing as written and it's way too long. Too people long. are skimmers online. They're not readers. 
So what you need to do is, first of all, edit, 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 make them all as short as humanly possible. But even then, you might want to, like you said, grab a little headline, a really quick little soundbite of a headline, put that there on top, then have the, the whole thing underneath. And when I say the whole thing, I mean the edited version. Yeah. And then always be sure to include their name and five stars. Just grab the five star, just grab the star emoji five yeah. times. Yeah. I've included those in my- Even if it's not technically, yeah. Yeah, that's even what you teach. Not technically a five-star review. Yeah, if they've given you if they've given you praise, feel free to extrapolate that into five stars. Yeah, yeah that's what you teach inside of the profitable website launch pad, which I've gone through by the way. Um, it, it's it's really really good. Hmm. It makes it super easy. Like we talked about Elementor at the start. Um, I got it up within a few weeks of, of going through it, and that was at a slow pace. Did you want to talk about um, awesome. your program a little bit, Wes? Yeah, well, I think the program is, you know, it's, it's a paid program. It teaches people, small business owners, coaches, consultants, how to really make the most of their website from the messaging to the copy, images, all the stuff we talked about today. Um, and, and really easy to use frameworks in terms of what pages you need, what pages you don't. And then at the end in module four, I walk you through Elementor exactly how to get it done. We've got cool little template blocks you can choose from to really make it your own. But I would say the good first step here, just try before you buy. I would send people to my free program, my free masterclass first, just to see if this is even something they want for yeah. them. So that would be at westmcdowell.com slash training. And then, um, yeah, it's just called the, the one weekend website blueprint for for service businesses. So cool. Yeah. I'll, I'll definitely, stuff. I'll leave that in the yeah. show notes and, and my audience knows that there, I don't push any affiliate links that I've never tried or never used. So I recommend Wes and his program. So really, really good stuff. Where's, where's the best place yeah, for my audience to, to find you online? Yeah, I would say um, the best way would be my podcast, which is called the profitable website. Yeah. You can find that anywhere, anywhere where you listen to the, to the casts. So. Yep. He's also, he's also got a YouTube channel that he's not talking about, which is fairly big. Okay. Yeah. I've got the YouTube channel too, but I feel like um, if you're listening to a podcast, that must sure. mean you like podcasts. So exactly. I would say find more there, but if you want to look me up on YouTube, just Wes McDowell, you can find me there. Cool. Well, Wes, thank you so much for coming on to Storytelling yeah. Secrets today. Thanks so much, Jules. Great to be here again. All right, that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. So again, if you want to go catch Wes's free masterclass, it is wesmcdowell.com forward slash training. And if you do decide to go all the way, you go through his training, you're like, I want to learn more. I want to get all of this done, create a really good website. 100% you should get it. I've gotten it. It is absolutely amazing. Um, all, the, all the stuff you've gone through. If you like step-by-step stuff, like step one, do this, step two, do this, um, and all the instructions and non-confusing videos, you should definitely get it. Other than that, thanks a lot for tuning in for this week's episode. I'm going to see you Monday for the solo show. That's it for me. If you love the show, go to iTunes or Spotify or Overcast or wherever you listen to your to your podcast and, and leave me a review. I really appreciate that. Um, helps get this message out to more people because if you liked it, others will like it too. But that's it for me. Enjoy your weekend. I'll see you Monday.